we will be lifting up the scripture, the Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, and then Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 31. This is the word of God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for it is in the righteousness of God. It is revealed through faith for faith as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the sins previously committed, and it was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes boasting? It is excluded by the law. But that of works, no, by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles only? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one and he will justify the circumcised on the ground of faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Uh-uh. By no means. We uphold the law. On contrary, we will uphold the law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I ask that you would rain your spirit down upon us. It has already been here in the mix, and we ask that you would stir it up and stir up our hearts and our minds and our souls, that we may be at your table. Lord, move me behind the cross. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, dear Lord, at this moment in time. Speak through me to your people. Amen. I start this sermon this morning with a simple question. Is there shame in your game? I mean, I could just, you know, talk a little softly, move into it real easy, talk about how life is going. But I started this way because the question is, as a Christian, is there shame in your thing? Is there shame in your faith? Is there shame on your journey? Pastor, why are you coming so hard like that? 
I always tell everyone about my faith. Sometimes I just don't speak it out loud. I always tell everyone about how faithful I am, especially when I pick up the phone and I'm telling everybody else's story but mine. Oh, I always. Ain't no shame in my game. I've been a Christian all my life, and I know how to talk to talk, walk to walk, be in the places, say the right things, and, and, and you want to know, do I love Jesus? Didn't you hear me quote my scripture? I answered the phone simply, blessed and highly favored. Ain't no shame in my game. I love the Lord because he heard my cry. Right after I was screaming at the TV for the Rockets game, and they lost another time. <laughs> Ain't no shame in my game. Oh, yes, I love the Lord. He's heard my cry, especially when I'm on the freeway. He's heard me holler out, come and move this car in front of me. Amen. Ain't no shame in my game. Oh yes, I want to jump right in because the question, the sermon title is simply shameless in Jesus. Shameless in our faith, shameless in our journey, shameless in our walk to perfection for the love of Jesus Christ. But I start this with a question because I anticipate that God will answer us. Through the book of Romans, we're going to spend time during the month of June. We're just going to hang out in the book of Romans. We're going to go passage to passage, look at some things, and look at some of the crucial topics in the life of a Christian. Paul was talking to the Romans, and he had a lot of things to say to the Romans, but those things are not just applicable for over there somewhere. They're applicable for right now. So we're going to start this journey off on this first Sunday in June, and we're blessed to have five Sundays in June. So by the time I get to the fourth Sunday, I might be running around in this place because there's no shame in my game. And maybe some of you will be free enough to say, I, I, it ain't no shame in my game either. I'm wanting to tell somebody my testimony. I just haven't known where to begin. I've wanted to tell somebody that God can make a way out of no way. I've wanted to tell somebody that God is a good God. I've wanted to tell somebody that your situation ain't bad because he made me and he kept me and he took me from side to side and he has made me whole and what he's done for me here ain't a one-time wonder. Ain't no shame in my game. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'm going to slow it back and pull it back. Amen? Because ain't no shame in my game. All of y'all already know, I'll pull up against somebody in the airport deciding I'm going to be quiet, but something will come over me and I have to tell them how good God was. Not yesterday, not the day before, but just since we got off the air in the plane. Amen? And all I need is about a three-hour ride. Baby, I can get them delivered on the plane. And I come in saying, I'm just going to be quiet. Yeah. Mind my own business. 
but ain't nothing like a packed Southwest Airline flight. Woo, I can go from side to side, front to back, and just, I can catch somebody on the way to the laboratory. Ain't God good? He done lifted this plane. The pilot is in good standing this morning. We're going to get through the bumps and the bruises. Ain't nothing going to happen this morning. And I ain't even been in the air five minutes, and I promised that I was going to stay quiet. Ain't no shame in our game. I want you to think about how far God has brought you since last week. I don't need you to go back last year. I don't even need to go take back 10, 15. I just want to say, how far has God brought you this week? And everybody knows I'm in the acronym, so I'm just going to throw it out there for you. How far stands for something. Amen. We won't jump into it. I'm going to let y'all figure it out as we walk through this. How far we going. Amen. Because ain't no shame in my game. What are you ashamed of? That's a personal question. But I had somebody ask me that question one time when I was right at a point where I didn't know how to answer that. So I told him I don't have any shame. She said, but yes, you do. I said, I'm a delivered woman of God. Shackles broken, yoke unbound. What do you mean I have shame? And I realized that I didn't know what shame was. I had walked through the journey. I had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I had been through many things, but I didn't understand what shame was. You know, shame kind of sits in there. It's kind of like a little family pink elephant that sits in the room. It starts with, don't tell my business outside of these four walls. I don't know who you think you are. But our family goes to church every week. We know Jesus for our personal Savior. Whatever happens in here, you don't need to tell nobody your business. And we find ourselves getting bound. I figured, well, I could tell somebody, but I didn't want to be accused of gossip, and I definitely didn't want to get in trouble. So I figured, well, ain't no shame to my game. I better tell Jesus. But the reality of it is sometimes where we need the greatest help is in our most personal circles. And sometimes our family members can't help us there because they stuck in the same place. Sometimes our friends can't tell us about those close places, those tight places, because they in the same bond box challenges that we are. Their finances is tied up just like our finances is tied up. Their children are jumping out at school, and our children are jumping out at school. But by faith, we can be delivered of shame. Some of us are shamed because the first child in, in our family went to college, and you just had a hallelujah graduation from high school. And your gift is not the college education. Your giftedness is you are an awesome, hands-on kind of person. But you're ashamed because everybody in your house has a degree, and the only degree you feel like you have is the temperature that's on the thermometer. And when everybody in your family gets together, you don't want to go to the family reunion because you shame. But God is a God that says, I've delivered you and justified you by faith, not by works, but by faith alone and faith in me. 
And because I have granted you and given you the gift of salvation, the gift of grace, you have a faith that is so strong and so awesome because it is grounded in me. Ain't no shame in my game. But when we get beyond the point where the scripture begins, verse 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. So if we're going to get far, we need to have good faith. And we need to have mustard feed faith, big faith, little faith, but we do not need to have shameful faith. We need to have an ain't no shame in my game kind of faith. We need to be able to say, hey, I'm not where I used to be. And maybe I'm not yet where I'm supposed to be. But I can take two steps back, four steps forward, and still got two to spare. Ain't no shame in my game. I'm not arguing about how the process goes, how we walk this thing out. But there's a deliverance and saying, I will not be shameful anymore. I won't be shameful of my little ears. I won't be shamed about how my temple looks. I won't be shamed about the gray hair that's in my head that I'm trying to color, color over with Clairol. I won't be shamed because I have shoes that are big and my feet are small. I won't be shamed because everything doesn't look exactly in order. I have a faith in a true and living God that allows me to go all the way. Ain't no shame in my game. Then the scripture goes on to tell us about the sacrifice of salvation. God wants us to realize that we are saved by grace and saved because he died that we would be set free. The scripture tells us what? Everyone falls short of the glory of God. Everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God. It doesn't say the ones that sit on this side fall short and the ones over here are perfect and the ones over here fall short and the ones around the corner are perfect. It says all. So I want you to think about it. When have you fallen short and there's a sin in your life that you got packed in the closet? You say, excuse me, that's an old sin. Please don't go back and try to dig in my closet I don't appreciate it. I have that closet packed, and it's like a good Pandora box. It's pretty doggone thick, and it's dug down deep, and you need to get up out my business. Amen? I like it in the back room, under the box, dug under three levels of stuff. Oh, I know exactly where my sin is, but could you please... Try to take your hands off of it. Thank you so much. But God says he's calling us to be delivered. And if we're going to have a shameless faith, we need to allow him to be shameless for our atonement. He's already atoned for our sins. He's already gone to the cross and you standing up there trying to create a new cross. I need to stay on the cross for the Lord. Do you believe by faith that you are forgiven? Do you believe that God has through the life and breath of Jesus Christ 
gone to the cross for your sins and mine? Or do you believe he only went for your neighbor's sins and your sins need to stay in the box, in the corner, in the back room, underneath with the five and ten secrets and don't tell my business in the street back there. Some of us are bound by our past and God has already been, has forgiven that. And we don't believe in atonement. We don't think atonement means to be made one with God. We don't think we're atonable. We don't think we're lovable. We don't think we are forgivable. But God said, oh, yes, you are. So there's shameless faith and there's shameless atonement. What a mighty God we serve. And then the all I want to look at is righteousness. A lot of times we hear what I call the Christian jargon all over. We hear it in the songs. We hear it on the radio. We hear it driving in. We turn on our standard religious station somewhere in between the commercials. We pick up and somebody says, and there will be righteousness. And along with our ain't no shame in our game, we really don't know what righteousness is. We don't know how to put it in perspective. We don't know how to apply it to ourselves. And we surely say, uh, whoever can get right with the Lord, hallelujah. But uh, I I'm just trying to work out today. I'm just trying to work out my salvation for the day. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your mercy. Can you tell somebody else about righteousness? Because um, I don't think I can achieve that because of all my shame that I have in my closet, in my back room, on the third level, dig down deep. We don't embrace righteousness sometimes because we don't know what it is. And other times we don't know how to apply it. And other times our shame says, you will never achieve righteousness. I don't know why you're trying to get with it. But that's where we're going to park for this part of Romans. So the question is, what is righteousness? I'm glad you asked it. I know somebody was saying, surely she's not looking at me. I know what it is, but I hope she doesn't call me out and ask me what it is. So I'm just going to put my head down and say, she's going to tell everybody so I don't have to answer that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Righteousness, what is it? It is a Greek word that means or is announced, actually pronounced as DK. Righteousness translates into implied justice and conformance to established standards. In other words, justice means do the right thing. And conformance means get in line with what God is calling each of us to do. Righteousness and the word just could go hand in hand and literally connect and mean the same thing. And you may say, okay, good. So righteousness means do the right thing and conform to the standards of God. But how does that apply to me? I, I'm glad you asked the question because sometimes that's where we get stuck. We have faith and we're not sure how far our faith will take us. We believe in atonement that we can be made one with God, but we don't know how it works its way out. And then we look at righteousness and say, you know what? I don't think I can be ever as right as my godmother. I don't think I can ever be as holy as the holy of holy people. 
I don't think I can do this, God. Well, that's where righteousness has a chance to literally slip into our souls, slip into our spirits, become part of our life foundation because we realize that we cannot do it without Jesus. We cannot live without having faith in God. We cannot get it right without God. We cannot live without forgiveness. We cannot live without the grace that's so freely given. And we cannot begin this journey of shameless faith without recognizing that righteousness is real. I'm going to tell somebody something today that's going to give them a chance to breathe. So y'all just all go ahead and breathe out together so nobody won't feel bad. <sighs> Amen. Righteousness doesn't come overnight. Just like our spiritual journeys of transformation don't happen overnight. Our faith in God is increased. We are seasoned like a good pot of whatever you make at your house. You cook it one night and then you need it to sit just a day over. And then the third night, the seasoning got in. And it gets good. It takes time for it to get just right. That's how we are on our spiritual journey. We don't get right overnight. And we don't get right without God. And we cannot get righteous into righteous living if we don't seek the kingdom of God. Some of us are in shame because we're stuck by somebody else's judgment. <sighs> Breathe out and let yourself get free. <sighs> Some of us are stuck in wanting to be faithful, but we all up here in fear. How about if I don't do it right? How about if I don't pray it right? How about if I don't say all the right things on the right day to the right people? How about if my hallelujah comes after somebody else's hallelujah? How about if my praise the Lord doesn't get in line with everybody else's praise the Lord? How about if I be standing up and everybody done sat down and the Lord done moved on me and I just don't know what to do? And we spend all of our faithful journey having it be about works. And we spend none of it about it really being in connection and relationship by grace filled with Jesus Christ. And then we miss our opportunity to literally embrace righteousness because we're scared of the injustice in the world. We're scared to take a stand for Jesus. We're scared to declare wrong, wrong, and right, right. We're scared and we're uncomfortable. And we say, long as it's not at my house, long as the prison doesn't move to my neighborhood, and long as the charter school for the special children is over there. But we don't get into the righteousness that God calls each of us into on a day-to-day -day basis. What if you got right with God right now? Bam! We are now righteous with God. What if it happened just like that? Would you be shameless for Jesus Christ? Or would you pretend that you had it going on and that you had made it happen? Well, that question I'm going to leave with you. 
Because if it's about becoming shameless by faith and shameless through atonement and shamelessness through righteousness, all of us are going to have to lift up our hands and let the Lord thy God move on our soul. All of us are going to have to get free some way, somehow. All of us are going to have to just spend a little time in relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do I say this? Because literally, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all who believe, there is no difference between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised. What God offers to each of us, he offers to us all. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come this day thanking you that you are shameless with your love unto us. But Father God, we come sin-bound, burdened, and challenged, seeking hope in you. Father God, thank you for raining down a forgiving spirit. Thank you for raining down a reconciling spirit. Thank you for raining down a renewed heart. Thank you for raining down transformation. Thank you for raining down prosperity in not in a, only in a financial way, but in a way that is pleasing unto you. Father God, I thank you that you would remove poverty. Thank you, God, that you would remove crime. Thank you, God, that you would set forth peace. Thank you, God, for solving the wars in America. Thank you, God, for eliminating racism. Thank you, God, for taking away anguish and hurt and heartache. Thank you, God, for delivering our children. Thank you, God, for delivering our parents. Thank you, God, for delivering our families. Thank you, God, for making us anew. Thank you, God, for restoring our hearts. Thank you, God, for giving us mercy. Thank you, God, for making us well. Thank you, God, for setting the world on fire. Thank you, God, for speaking unto me. Thank you, God, for talking to your people. Thank you, God, for pricking our hearts. Thank you, God, for making a merciful moment. Thank you, God, for speaking unto life. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for everlasting grace. Thank Thank you, God, for victory. Thank you, God, for deliverance. Thank you, God, for awesome nature. Thank you, God, for mercy. Thank you, God, for love. Thank you, God, for marriage. Thank you, God, for being God. In Jesus' name, amen. What an awesome God. Allow God to speak unto your heart, for day is a new day. If you are in a faithful relationship with Jesus Christ, I ask you to clap your hands and say hallelujah. Are you shameless for Jesus Christ? If you're seeking to know God and you want to know God and somebody next to you isn't clapping their hands and they're not sure, take a moment and tell them your testimony. Let God minister to your heart, for we will take the sacrament today. And if your heart needs to be changed, this is a place and a space. To begin that journey, let the Lord speak unto you. Amen.